0: He gave me a hug and it felt like one of my grandpa's hugs. And one thing about my grandpa is like, he had this crazy way about him is like, he could have not known anything that was going on in my life. He would always give me advice or give me a message that was exactly what I needed to hear or matched exactly what I was going through at the time. So I felt like that was my grandpa speaking through somebody else, but it was a very wild experience because it's almost like this guy's voice and everything just like transformed into my grandpa
1: so tay taylor quite tay
0: that's fine with me all right
1: well thank you for being here thank I, you for I guess having we're me. Get, of course we're gonna get this started and like i said from the beginning and i say pretty much every episode uh, i didn't prep for this because <laughs> I, don't, I don't want i don't want to sound prepared i don't know much about your story but i'm thankful that you did reach out because it, it, it's really nice I have, like I've gotten to a point where, you know, I have a long way to go with this podcast, but I've had people reach out. It's not in numerous numbers, but it's nice to hear that because it, it makes me feel like I'm, you know, on somewhat of a path of what my mission is. And to hear someone like you that I didn't know prior to this, I don't know, connect in some way, you know, that's what it's all about. So like I said earlier as well, why the hell are you here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I'm actually really glad that I came across your podcast. So for a long time, I have a crazy mental health journey. We can get into that later. But something since a very young age that I haven't really talked about very publicly is my connection to the other side. And for a long time, like even at a very young age, I always felt, I get I would get these very pestering feelings, even pe- with people who are living. Like if I have this like overwhelming feeling, like I need to reach out to somebody, it was for a reason. It didn't matter where we left off. didn't matter how long it had been since we had spoke. But there'd be times where... For example, I had this friend from high school I hadn't spoke to probably in like seven, eight years just because, you know, such is life. And I had this weird feeling that I needed to reach out to her and I didn't even know if her number was the same. But I was like, let me just text the number Said, hey, I was just thinking of you. I know it's been a while. Hope you're doing good. And she says, wow, it's really crazy that you hit me up. I've been going through like the absolute worst time in my life. Your timing is impeccable. And things like that happen very, very often for me. There's also been a lot of instances in my life and even going out of the country, from here to going out of the country, I've had random people come up to me and tell me they have a message for me, like psychic mediums. And I'm not one that has grew up around any kind of spirituality outside of like Christianity or Catholicism. I grew up with my maternal grandparents very closely from birth pretty much. And they they were both very Catholic. My mom grew up Catholic and then converted to Christianity. So I had a bit of both of those upbringings, but I had never really had anyone in my life that was connected in any kind of deeper spiritual way. But I've always felt since a very young age that there was something there. I just didn't quite understand it until probably a couple years ago when I started being approached by different spiritual type figures and having crazy visions and sort of like, I don't know whether to call it like paranormal or not, but very interesting connection to afterlife, I guess I would
1: call yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, still, I don't know what the other side is, so yeah. it sounds like that.
0: <laughs> something like that. So, and the way that I, I I may speak in a very happy tone, when I talk about death too, because I've never been afraid of death and it's not something that I, I've ever felt like was a taboo topic. And I also like to think of people that have passed as, I like to think of them in a positive way, of course, and think of, there's this one quote after my grandpa passed away a few years ago, I pray for, or I'm sorry, I mourn for those that never knew you is the way that I like to see someone's passing in death as not so much just mourning them being gone, but mourning for the people that never got to experience them. So for example, um, there was, it was probably back in 2000, I would say 17 or 18, I was getting my hair done and not even talking about anything in particular. I was talking to my hairdresser at the time I think we were probably just talking about something random, but a woman who was three chairs down, hadn't spoken to her, hadn't even looked her way, barely noticed that she was there. She came up to me as I was—they were cutting my hair, and she said, I'm so sorry. I don't want to—I don't mean any intrusion, but— I have to have a conversation with you. And me, I'm very open-minded. I was like, oh, you know, nice to meet you. And she, she introduced herself and told me that she was a psychic medium and told me that she had a very strong message for me. And that was the first time that anyone had ever approached me with a strong message. So a little apprehensive at first because you know you hear all kinds of stories like some of these people are bullshit some of these people are are just telling you what you want to hear and but i know better than to offer up too much information and just more so let her talk and let and hear what the message was that she had for me and she basically told me that cuz i had lost my Grandma, that was the first person I, like, very close to me that I had ever really lost that meant a lot to me. I I lost my grandma in 2007, and I had lost my grandpa maybe, like, eight years after that. And those were, like, the two most important figures in my life at the time. And, like, after my grandma passed away, I had experienced, like, you know, different signs, you know, that my grandma was still around or that, you know, she was checking in type thing. And I had never felt that way after my grandpa passed. And I was, you know, like, most people are like daddy's girl or whatever. I was like my grandpa's girl. Like, I was—I was, I was tight with my grandma, too, but my grandpa, I was, like— Admittedly, I was his favorite. I know if any of my cousins see this or my sister, they would roll their eyes, but they would agree. Because <laughs> my grandpa had like funny ways about him. Like, you know, mini wheat cereal. Of
1: course. Okay. So <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: For some reason, uh, he loved mini wheat cereal, and he I somehow for some reason I just ended up loving it too, probably because my grandpa loved it. And he would get the av- the biggest box I've ever seen in my life. And my cousin and my sister my younger sister would always look for the cereal box could never find it my grandpa would hide it in a special spot in his closet just for me when i came over because he was like no no no, that's That's for taylor yeah Yeah. that's love (laughs) hiding food that's that's love yeah (laughs) um so when my grandpa passed away i was like for years i'm like you know i haven't had any type of sign that he's here anything like that until maybe a year ago which i'll get into in a second i jump around a lot so this woman, she introduced herself as a psychic medium and told me she had a message for me. She started out the conversation basically telling me that there was a woman that appeared and she wanted to speak to me specifically. She's like, I know you have—this woman is very connected to your mother and she's also very connected. Do you have siblings? She's like, And I said, yeah, I have siblings. And I was being very vague in my answers just because I didn't want to, like, sway anything that she might have said And she told me that my grandma has known since before I was born, which is also crazy, that she knew that I was going to be the one out of all my siblings to carry this special gift. So I assume she must have had something similar to me and she basically told this woman to articulate to me and to—she she told this woman that I was the one that needed to receive the message because I'm the only person that would believe and understand and receive the message fully and well enough to carry it on to the correct people that she was trying to also reach. So she wanted me to basically tell my mom and both of my sisters. Uh, That she was okay, that she was good, and and just a few different emotional, deep messages. And my mom is more like—she's more—what's the word I'm looking for? Skeptical? Yeah, I would say skeptical to to the idea of any spirituality that's not uh, like Christianity or Catholicism. So I I immediately, like, I felt this overwhelm. It's like sitting in this chair getting my hair cut. It's overwhelming feeling of, like, chills throughout my body that I, I couldn't believe. So I was asking this woman, I said, is there anyone there with her? And she said, yeah, there's somebody beside her. She's like, I, she's like, I feel— She's like, I can't really see who it is, but there's somebody close by her who she's very happy about. He's not— And I said, it's a he? And she said, yes, it's a he. I said, it's probably my grandpa. And she said, I would— She's like, the energy feels like it's somebody, like— like a a husband figure and said basically my grandpa was there but he didn't really have much to say he was just kind of laughing and be- beside her which i was started like tearing up and laughing because that was very typical of their relationship my grandma was more of the talker my grandpa he he spoke when it was necessary when he had something to say he didn't really just talk to talk so when i carried that that message to my mom and and my younger sister they obviously both broke down in tears because because it was coming from me and because I was telling them with a lot of conviction, like, you know, it's it's not just some random woman that I gave my whole life story to. This is somebody that gave me full-fledged specific messages from grandma to tell each of you, and they both were were, you know, like, bewildered by it. So then now jumping to my other story.
1: <laughs> Before you go to the other story. Yes. She's cutting your hair while this is happening?
0: No, this was a, another woman getting her hair done. Got
1: it. Okay. While at the same time kind of thing? Yeah, or like different
0: stylists. So I was getting my hair done by one person. And and just like she, next to each other? Yeah, we, but she was three seats down and then came out of her chair to the seat next to me to tell me she had a message for me.
1: And she wasn't like, your grandma says cut three more inches off or something like that? Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I would have said it to you, "You've lost your mind, girl." Like absolutely I'm, I'm not. Sorry, go ahead. On, go. On. No, you're good. Um, then, okay. So, like I said, I hadn't really got much of like a message or any kind of signs since my grandpa had passed, and I was wondering, I'm like, when is he? I haven't had any dreams or anything like that that would be indicative that you know he, he has something for me or he's checking on me. And I thought him of all people would be right there every second. Like I do feel him in certain aspects, but not anything tangible, I guess. So I, this is going to sound also like a very wild story, but I, I, uh, I, I got this, I I got this really large couch and I wanted to have it cleaned. So I randomly was on Facebook marketplace. Yeah. Facebook marketplace. And I came across this couch cleaner and he sent just one of this guy, sent one of his employees out to clean my couch. Just one, there was, I think two guys that came and cleaned the couch, but I was working from home at the time, just closed my room door and told them, like, if you need anything, you know, just knock on my door, let me know. So, um, you know, I, I paid the guy, everything was fine, and I thought they were had already left, and the guy knocked on my door again, and the man, you know, barely, he spoke very broken English, and he he just looked at me, and and he was like, I just wanted to say, you know, like, you know, thank you so much for hiring us. I said, oh, yeah, absolutely, no problem. And then it was almost like, it was like an out-of-body experience for him because it was almost like I was talking to my grandpa because it went from him saying thank you for hiring us to him telling me a message about like exactly how I was feeling and where I was in life and just randomly this couch cleaner giving me a message that he had for me without saying like I have a message for you just saying just something that was on his heart he said this is just on my heart to tell you and said it to me at the time and I felt like an overwhelming feeling of like, uh, as if in my head too, it sounded like it was my grandpa's voice. And when, and he, he gave me a hug, which is kind of strange. You're somebody that's just cleaning your couch, but he gave me a hug and it felt like one of my grandpa's hugs. And one thing about my grandpa is like, he had this crazy way about him is like, he could have not known anything that was going on in my life. He would always give me advice or give me a message that was exactly what I needed to hear or... Matched exactly what was what I was going through at the time, so I felt like that was my grandpa speaking through somebody else. But it was a very wild experience because it's almost like this guy's voice and everything just like transformed into my grandpa.
1: What? Wait, so he said, "I have this on my heart," right?
0: Yeah, he says I have this message on my heart that I I want. I, I feel like I just want to relate to. I know, to,
1: I, and I hadn't spoken
0: any words to this man.
1: And he just hugged you.
0: No, he told me this message, After and then the message. and then. And then he he hugged me before and then left and I've never seen him again. He
1: just walked out. said, so this is forty five ninety five and I'm out. Yeah. What? I'm saying. That's crazy.
0: It, yeah, and I had to call my mom right after and tell her. I said, "Mom, like, I don't know what this is about, but like, this is." And my mom, she was just like, "Ah," because my mom's still kind of like skeptical about everything. She might she probably thinks I'm crazy at this point because I tell her these stories sometimes. But I had never experienced anything like that where it literally felt like my grandpa's voice was coming out of this man's mouth.
1: I mean, even if you just separate the two, say you didn't even decipher it as, okay, this is my, you don't have that feeling, this is my grandpa. Right. Just the fact that he's saying that, the dude that's cleaning your couch, that alone is like, huh.
0: And I didn't have, I forget what it was, but he asked me one question, and I think it was just like, I think he asked me like how I was doing or something, and I was like, oh, I'm doing good. And then he said he had this message to tell me, and the message was just like spot on.
1: Were you doing good, or you just
0: it was one of those that I was like, I was doing fine, but I wasn't doing great. I was just one of those like, oh, I'm doing good. Well, yeah, you're
1: because, not going to open up to the couch cleaner, guys. So <laughs> exactly, I get it, yeah,
0: exactly. So it was, it was very interesting, but nonetheless, like it was, it was crazy. It, experience whether, number two. That was experience number two, and then recently, I so I lost my best friend in college to a really tragic car accident, and that's another one that gets me every time. It's still, I don't want to get emotional, but he. It, losing him very unexpectedly, that's somebody that I definitely feel the most um, throughout, like, my life since his passing. I felt that one very deeply. Like, my grandparents, like, those two different, definitely, like, shattered my world when they passed. But when my best friend passed, it was like— it I have not felt like I've been the same since his passing. And the weirdest thing about— it like his passing is like since then he, i have like more recently it's probably happened in the last like 6 months to a year i have seen people down the street people in cars next to me that look exactly like him and to the point where i have to do a double take and it's as if the person like looks away really fast because it's like oh shit you caught me in bodily form as if he was like back on earth like physically Um, like the weirdest one was the first time I was driving down Hollywood Boulevard and I there's a man walking in the distance ahead of me his back is to me and I was driving and I Like just the way his body language was the way he was walking the back of his head everything I'm like that looks like cam like whoa That guy looks like cam and I did a double take and right when I did a double take Keep in mind the guy was walking forward. He stopped And turned around and we made eye contact through my car. Like, he looked directly at me and kind of gave me this, like, surprised smile. And then, like, quickly turned around. And I was just like, like, is that you? Like, type of thing. And I was kind of fucked up, like, all day about it. And then maybe a few months after that, again, I was driving on Hollywood Boulevard, which is weird. It was kind of, like, similar area. Um, There was a car next to me. I was just—I remember I was singing a song and I— Looked to my right, and the guy driving, like, I just—I did a double take because I thought it, like, like, something about him looked like Cam. And the guy looked at me, like, kind of, like, surprised and, and nervous, which, I mean, somebody could have just felt uncomfortable that I was looking at them in their car. <laughs> but in my head, it was just, like, it was a weird coincidence that it happened twice, especially the guy walking in pretty much ahead of me stopped, turned around, and we made eye contact. Same with the guy in the car next to me. It It makes me feel like that— was also him like just kind of checking on me maybe in bodily form without me noticing or thinking I was gonna notice but I'm like but he was also like a very like silly funny guy so I I feel like him doing something like that would not be unorthodox but yeah it's just I have a lot of like weird experiences I try to Explain them to people close to me, and most of my friends think I'm crazy. But
1: no, I think you're explaining it to the right guy. First of all, um, I mean, I have so many questions. Cause I, a couple things, but one: do, do experiences like that offer you what does that What does that do to you? Does it offer you any comfort in any way, or does it make you think even more? Does it make you more X, Y, Z?
0: It depends. I feel like overall, of course, they all make me emotional in some type of way. Um, I would say the couch cleaner one was. The most comforting, actually, and it, it felt like for a split moment, like oh, like like another like a last hug from my grandpa or something. Because I was living in Montana, um, and my grandpa had suffered a, a like a heart attack out of nowhere. He had no prior problems with his heart; just kind of randomly had a heart attack. And I had Facetimed him, and I was trying to get back in time to see him, and he passed away literally right before I got back home. um, so I feel like that interaction in my mind, and maybe that was just—that's my way of healing, too, is uh, me feeling like, okay, that was the the last hug or, like, the last interaction that I was hoping for, or just at least some kind of check-in or reconnection that I had really been missing.
1: Right. You said earlier, in regards to your friend— His name is Cam? Is that what mm-hmm. you said? Yeah, Cam. Uh, you, were never, you haven't been quite the same?
0: No, I would. I would definitely say, like, his passing— I think his passing in general, like, because it happened so suddenly and uh, the nature of our friendship and everything, its it, it just, like, it, he took, like, a chunk of my heart with me that I have not quite, like, gotten back. It's, and, I mean, I feel like every time I loo- every time I lose somebody, it—like, you know, they take a piece of you when they go, but him in particular, it's really—it's um, been one that was, like, definitely hard to recover from.
1: In what way do you not feel? like I know you just explained it with thick your heart, but what what do you feel? Like what is it that you feel is not the same? You just feel like an emptiness, like a longing. What is it?
0: Um, I would say probably longing, and it it just like it doesn't seem fair because I feel like, and I and I know he would probably like laugh to me telling me telling this story, but he passed away. He we we're, we're both from LA, and we met in Montana. Um, he was he had like you know he had some really rough cards dealt at a very young age, like in regards to his upbringing and it kind of carried into his adulthood too. just kind of like troubled and a lot of people, um, he didn't get the, especially in Montana. And I'm not saying Montana is all a racist state, but there is still quite a bit of racism that exists there just because there's not a whole lot of diversity like we experience in LA or the East coast or anything like that. But, um, he was dealt a lot of cards and dealt with a lot of racism out there. And one thing he would tell, it's its crazy. We had this running joke and he, the last time he said it to me was probably like a couple days to a week before he passed. He was like, he was like, ah, oh, they're trying to get me out here. He's like, he's like, fuck that. If I'm ever going to die in Montana, he's like, they're not going to get me in Montana. Like, and it, unfortunately he, he ended up passing in Montana. But I feel like, um, I, I just feel like, the feeling of, like, one, his time being cut too short and overall knowing, like, he was meant for so much greater and he deserved a lot more than, you know, like, as short as his life was, It, it I think it, I take it very personally and it bothers me. And obviously, it was something that was out of his control. It was, like, a freak car accident that happened. And he passed. He played basketball. He was, like, a freak athlete. It was ridiculous. But he was driving home from a basketball tournament. It was in the passenger seat asleep. And— dude was like six, seven, just one of those people that never had to work out a day in his life and just naturally ripped and could jump out of the gym. But he, he was leaving somewhere that he loved and doing something he loved and was on the right track to getting back to where he needed to be. And I think that it, it, like, I, I'm like that with anybody that I care about and I love. Like, I take things personally for them. Like, for example, like, if I have a friend that's like, oh, like, I got my heart broken by this dude, or he cheated on me or whatever. I'm gonna take it personally for them and I truly I really feel that shit, like really deeply. I'm a very touchy-feely type person, but I'm also a very straightforward type person. So that's I think where my like East Coast side and the super foreign side kind of collide. But um I yeah, I have I just feel like, uh, I guess to answer your question, longing and And regret for the way that his life ended, like I take personally and bothers me, and I feel like uh, the reason that I feel this way is because like there is more for me to carry on for him. Right.
1: Yeah, I can imagine, especially when someone goes like that. You know, I had a. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to what you were saying. I had a friend that got hit by a car when she's like on her scooter. So when someone dies like abruptly like that, when it's just I don't know, it makes it. Like this is so frustrating, you know. Right. What I mean, I guess like when someone's life gets cut off like that, let alone anyway. Uh, but is there any, is there anything that you have intentions or consciously try to massage that out, or is there anything you do, or you just kind of live with it? So
0: I I am a writer above all else. I'm working on a book right now. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: Anything you can tell us about that, or hush hush?
0: Uh, I can actually. I so I, going back to what I said when I first introduced myself. Um, I have a really crazy mental health journey that will soon be talked about more but I started out as a creative writer when my grandma passed away I was in seventh grade and I found myself writing I always felt like I since a very young age I was most expressive on paper like if I was ever upset with anyone or if anything was on my heart like I always felt like writing was my only release and escape so um Writing has been very helpful to me in all aspects of my healing journey. So I would say anytime that anything happens that is heavy on my heart or just on my heart in general, I always write it out. Um, The book is actually—so mostly what I write is short story poetry pieces all surrounding mental health, trauma healing, interpersonal relationships, so on, so on. So the book is going to be comprised of— um one-page short story poetry pieces. I'm planning on making it 99 to 100 pages, and I'm going to do a series of them, but this one is surrounding uh, the journey back to self-love. I know most people would probably think like a journey to self-love, but it's back to loving myself and the people and experiences that I've uh, encountered along the way that brought me back to where I am now. Thank you. <laughs> associated associates
1: with your clothing brand in in some ways?
0: Yes. So also my brand... Came from my creative writing. So I had started a semi anonymous Instagram page maybe back in 2016 or 17, just putting out my creative writing. And
1: I did the same thing once. I still have it and I forgot about it. You just reminded me. Go on. Go on.
0: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and um, I. I got a lot of really good responses. A lot of people that know me that didn't know it was me at writing. Some, I've had a woman from Vietnam that found my page. Was like, "Hey, I don't know who you are, but you're this piece of writing. You know, really stuck with me, type thing." And and so for the longest time, at the time, I didn't feel diligent enough to write a book, and I felt like I I wanted to my message behind my writing to reach more people, and I and I felt like that's my my true calling is. Just, I felt like I'm—I truly feel like I'm on this earth, and this might sound like kind of self-absorbed, but I feel like I'm on this earth to help other people and to make other people better. Not that I'm perfect or this all-knowing being, but I feel like I I have this welcoming nature that a lot of people—strangers, people I've known for years—feel like I'm the therapist or go-to in most situations, so— in saying that, I wanted, you know, a way to reach more people with my writing. I kid you not, I also have very wild dreams. I have very, very vivid dreams um, that end up coming to life, like almost like foreseeing dreams. Like, for example, I have a friend from college that I had a dream one year that he was gay, and I had no idea or any inkling that he was gay. And it's one of those dreams you wake up, you're like, I just need to call that person just so that they could Tell me, like, oh, that's just your dream. I literally called him. I was like, you're not gonna believe it. He's like, what's up? I was like, I had this like crazy dream that that you're gay, but you know, whatever. Like, and he he was like, oh, you didn't know that I'm gay? Uh, no way. I was like, you've never <laughs> told me that. I thought, been- I, I
1: thought he was in a car. But like, I was straight last night, but then I woke up today. I was gay. <laughs>
0: I know. Like, might what'd you as do well. To me? <laughs> I was so mind blown. I was like, "You've never told me that in our at the time four years of friendship. I had never knew that. I just thought you were shy when it came to girls." He goes, "No." He was like, "Well, I'm like I'm bi, but yeah." He's like, "I, I like guys too. I've known since I was in kindergarten." I was like, "What the heck? Like I'm, I'm a fortune teller." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you're in the wrong line of work. Maybe no. I know. I, I mean, all that. I mean, all that kind of pieces together. is Some kind of you got something going on.
0: Right. So you. my dream. I ha- so I had this vivid dream that basically I had the name of my brand and the concept that I dreamt up. And I woke up that day and I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. I'm going to translate all of my creative writing onto clothing and merchandise surrounding mental health and make each drop surrounding a different aspect of mental health. And I, and that's how my brand was born. I literally filed my LLC that day and have been going ever since. And I'm coming up on two years in business.
1: Do you, I mean, congratulations. Thank you. I, I, wore, I wore your shirts like three days in a row now. Um <laughs> Do you, do you do any of this intentionally? Like, do you meditate on any of these questions where they come to you in dreams? Or do you try to impose any of these experiences intentionally? Like, whether it's messages from other people, you ever try to hone in that or, like, hone into your dream interpretation? Is there anything you've done it with intention or it just happens? No. <laughs> yeah. In
0: short, no. I've tried. I've done float tanks before. I've tried mm. meditating. But being a very busy mind, I have a tough time really shutting my brain off to meditate and just be still. And most of the time, I, actually, every time in my life that I've ever tried to meditate or do a float tank, I fall asleep.
1: Yeah, I've I fell asleep. I've done the float tank several times, and
0: like I was like snoring, falling asleep. Oh wow, you're out. <laughs> Deep okay,
1: sleep. good thing you're floating on the water because you might have a problem there. Right? Float tanks are. I've done it several times. I've tried doing it like sober. I've tried doing it smoking. I've actually ate mushrooms and done that. That was a whole nother experience. Oh
0: my God. Don't
1: even, I'm not even going to go there, but it turned out me sitting like laying on the floor of the shower for 45 minutes <laughs> looking up. So that's a whole nother experience. I may have to try that. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, the shower pot was great. I was literally just, Looking up at the rain, tripping on mushrooms by myself, and I walked home six miles. So,
0: oh, six miles. Yeah,
1: well, I might be exaggerating. It was from Westwood to here. So maybe it was like four or five.
0: That's still, yeah.
1: Um, but that's besides the point. I'm sorry I went off on that little. No, it's saga. okay. I would
0: love to hear that story.
1: Yeah, maybe off the mic. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just curious because if, if it seems like you have a lot of those consistencies, and I think there's a couple of people I've had on my podcast, another girl, Taro, uh, does medium work and um, psychic medium, however you want to call it. And she's a believer and I've heard from multiple other people that she believes everyone can do it in some sense, but more people are just tapped into it and some people are more distracted. I don't know what to believe, but maybe clearly there's something there and I believe that it could be tapped into should you ever want to. I just don't know if that's something you should do. I'm not giving you advice here. I'm just curious if it was something that you've intentionally tried to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would definitely be open to it. I I guess I've never really had proper direction or done enough research to to know like okay what's the best way to channel it like because i i go back and forth although i've i tell these stories about you know i've i've uh, had interactions with psychic mediums i didn't even go into the one about when i was in israel some man did a body reading on me in the ocean that was a whole other story
1: this guy come from the ocean or you hired him
0: no, he came from the middle. He was swam, an old man swam up to me. I totally forgot to tell that story. Yeah, an old man what? swam Literally, up.
1: he came from the ocean kind of. I was
0: in the ocean, and he swam up to me and my sister that he had a message for us to specifically, and he's like, can I do a body reading? Also, another man that barely spoke English.
1: What's a body reading? That sounds suspicious to go up to a pretty girl.
0: Yeah, right. That's, every time I tell this story, they're like, <laughs> yeah, an old like, man <laughs> did, took a body reading in the middle of the Mediterranean. Like, what is wrong See, with yeah, you? Yeah,
1: that makes me nervous.
0: No, it was, it was fine. He wasn't like touching or anything. He just wanted my sister and I, I at separate times to float on our back and it was really like a, a very slight touch of like the middle of like my spine pretty much where he he gave different messages and he said based on certain I, I don't know like certain energies he felt through the I don't know I even know how to explain it. I'm trying to remember but it was he did a body reading and his was more predictions than it was like, I have a message for you. It was it was more like, you're in this amount of time where you can expect in the near future this type of figure in your life type thing. It was very, very eye-opening and fascinating the way that he, he spoke. I didn't know who exactly he was speaking about, but it did resonate at the time. Um, none of these
1: people asked for money after? None. It's so bizarre.
0: That's why I'm inclined to feel the genuineness in it because not one of them had asked for anything from me the crazy part about the guy in israel was that after he did the body reading on my sister and i he was like you know doing his thing like swimming in the ocean and then i looked and my sister and i were like where did he go he was gone
1: he turned into a dolphin
0: i swear it's like must have because i never saw we were like literally like trying to watch and look for him never saw him get out of the water anything like that no idea where the guy went
1: like what the fuck it's almost
0: like he just like disappeared
1: I don't know. I don't know what to say. I have nothing to say. That's, that's that's ridiculous.
0: But it's to me, it's it's getting to a point where I feel like it's past the point of coincidence, and and I wish I knew the best course of action of somebody to talk to that could be like, okay, yes, this is what this is, and this like some kind of factual or I don't want to say like by the book type thing, but almost like a not a diagnosis, but like a okay,
1: more scientific, perhaps. Yeah, there
0: we go, scientific explanation of why some kind of law of attraction, I would guess.
1: That's okay. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Otara that I mentioned, I think she'd be a really good person to talk to. She's not going to offer scientific advice. Um, I don't know. I want to say something, but it's not going to be scientific or accurate at all. But my my belief is just, I said this over and over again, but if energy cannot be created nor destroyed, therefore energy is, is... Constantly around us, Mm -hmm. and we are—that's literally everything. I think we can just read it, and whether it's whatever form it is. So maybe you just have an ability to read certain energies. Um, But I don't know how you like prove something like that, except through experiential, you know, anecdotal evidence that you're doing. But I think especially in your case, when it comes to through like random like that, people aren't asking for money. You never saw them again, right? Yeah, I know. It's like, what, what I mean, so, something's up there. And I think the way you feel about it, I think that's your way of reading it. So I don't know. Maybe, I don't really know if you have to go talk to someone, maybe it would help. But I think if you consciously thought about it and just-
0: I've even had chakra readings before.
1: What readings? Like,
0: I forgot what it's called, but when they, they read your chakras, like uh, which ones are open and closed?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I've, I've done that with another girl that had on the podcast- I forgot that. What is that called? Energy? Energy readings? I
0: can't remember. There's a specific name for it, but I I can't
1: remember right now. Shit! If Eric is listening, she's gonna be pissed at me because she definitely did this with me. <laughs> I'm forgetting the name, but I know what you're talking about that. That I don't really I don't understand any of that scientifically, but I bel- I'm just kind of open minded. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I get confused about what to because like the East Coast guinea mentality is like I don't trust this person, right? But also I'm open to it, and I confuse myself. So I don't know what to do with it, but I feel like what you're going through has to, it might feel like some sort of closure in some sense. I mean, not closure. But that's why I asked if it was comforting in regards to, especially when you saw your friend, people that looked like your friend.
0: Yeah, it's, it's freaky more than anything, but there is a source of comfort to to most of it. Um, overall, it's it makes me a little bit more alert and observant. It's like, okay, is, are there more signs or things that I'm missing in regards to it? I try to. I try to find a deeper meaning to all of it, and usually I I write it out, and then I I feel like I learn more from myself and my own brain and what what my brain stored from that experience. It's important. So so I guess it's a source um, of—it's like a learning curve, and it's also a source of comfort and, I guess, a reminder to be a little bit more observant.
1: Yeah, I wonder if there's, a, if there's a fine line of you know being observant, but also letting it come to you. Because sometimes I feel like when I'm, I forcibly look for things and then I see something and I'm like, this is this me just cr- making this up right. to mean something? But I feel like also those moments that have that meaning, you just kind of know the difference. They feel like they feel more impactful. They literally just feel different. Right. So I don't know. I get torn up sometimes when I feel like I'm always talking to my dad and asking for a sign or asking for something and it doesn't come. And um, I feel like I'm just forcing it too much. Or maybe I'm just not tapped in like that. I don't I don't know. But I think it's it's interesting that you're going through that. And I just wonder how that shapes your perspective on losing people. Right. You know what I mean?
0: At this point, it's there's it depends really because and by the way, back to your dad. I was wondering if that was your dad or if that was like a, no, a picture a, of you without a, guy, a beard.
1: No, that's just a guy that used to clean my couch twenty years ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you guys it, does are he look twins. Like me? Yeah. Like absolute twins. You without a beard for sure.
1: Yeah, I no, I think yeah, I need another, like, 10 years, and then I think maybe, I don't know. I p- Apparently, I look a lot like him now, but when I was a kid, uh, I, I I didn't really feel like I looked like my dad. Really? And now that I've gotten older, people are like, oh, my God, I see your dad, I see your dad. We have the same, like, narrow face, I think.
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy, like, almost like carbon copy looking at you guys. I'm
1: growing this beard out because I have a, a girlfriend of mine, Laura, is having a murder mystery party next oh. week, and I got pigeonholed as the... Tony the bartender. And I started like Googling photos of speakeasy. So I got started Googling photos of um 1920 speakeasy bartenders, and I feel like they all had mustaches. I don't know if I'm like looking just for those photos. And I just and so I have to like now I'm growing this out just to see if I can shave a mustache.
0: I mean, at least you could grow a full beard.
1: It, does it look full?
0: It does. It's like
1: it's a little patchy. I don't know. People tell me it's full. I don't know. I'll take it, lo- it. Lo- it
0: looks full from here.
1: Thanks. I lo- won't
0: look too close. <laughs> it
1: looks full on camera. Also, you're making me really like, you say I look temp. I see my farmer's hand in the camera right now. So for anyone watching on YouTube, I truly apologize. This is embarrassing.
0: It'll be okay. Thanks.
1: Um, well, I feel like I had another question. I mean, I had a lot of questions, but I, I, where are you right now in regards to the loss of your friend? Uh, because clearly, I mean, you started spoken of it naturally. Emotions clearly showed up in your face. Have you seen improvement or any, I, don't, I don't want to say improvement because like you say, it took a, it feels like a piece of your heart was taken from you. And I think grief is something that we kind of Grow with it doesn't ever really it doesn't ever go away in my opinion so I just wonder where you are on that journey because you said you've been writing and that's your way of kind of getting through it and how many yeah. how many years has it been again about
0: Cam passed away in two thousand fifteen I think it was now yeah I lost my grandpa in two thousand fourteen and Cam was two thousand fifteen um, I feel like it it comes in waves just as I guess any any loss does if I. Think about any one person particularly too hard. I, you know, I you, you get emotional or certain things remind you of people. I feel like because it's getting to a point where my grandma, it's been over 10 years. I've been a little bit more at peace and gotten, I don't want to say I've gotten used to it. But in a sense, I know that I, I can't reach her. At times, um, I, I go back and forth the same with my grandpa. But I... I I get a lot more reminders with Cam, I guess, because like every birthday or any time I reach a certain age, I mean a a certain milestone in my life, I know that he would have been a part of it. Or um, he, I feel like a lot a lot of things that happen. Like I have my grandpa's, I have one of his rosaries that hangs in my car, and there's times that I've like barely missed a car accident, or car accidents have happened like before, had or before behind me. Like, split seconds, it's crazy. I just, like, grab onto that thing. and thing Like, I feel like that's just a level of protection, too. Because that was the last thing that my grandpa gave me before—that I saw him living. Um, and he had told me he had it—he had it blessed and stuff like that. What
1: color was the rosary? It's silver. Silver. Yeah, my, my Italian grandmother, she had a— My mom, rosaries are very popular in my family, so I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it, it hangs through my car and, and, like, my my window. And uh, one thing— just, This is a little off-topic, but, like, another piece of advice that my, my grandpa gave me, the last living piece of advice I got from him that I carry with me also into my adulthood, he, he always talks about, about home. There was at one point— So the last time I saw him alive, he had told me— uh, you know, I just miss you so much, blah, blah, blah. I was still, you know, living back and forth between LA and Montana. And I told him, I was like, you know, grandpa, if like, if you need me to be closer to home, like I can transfer, I could, I can finish off school somewhere closer. And he was super stern. He said, no, absolutely not. And I, was, I just kind of looked at him confused. And he told me, he said, home will always be here. The opportunities won't. So as I continue on with, and I tell so many people in my life that too, like, you know, if, the opportunities are out there, and I'm not saying like everyone has to move away from their home or has to move away in general, but you can take that piece of advice to so many aspects of your life like this will always be here like tangible places will always be here, but the opportunities and what lies ahead they will all they won't always be there.
1: I love that. I actually needed that, especially home the home shit for now i've been I've been away from home for. Since 2011, so it's been like 11 years. So that's kind of why I came out here, I guess, for opportunities. Also, I didn't know what the hell I was doing 10 years, 11 years ago. But I don't know. For me, home is where my family is, even though now this is home for me. So I kind of get that twisted sometimes. But like you said, I think um, – like I feel like home will always be there, but also going through experiences like loss and, and realizing how temporary life can be sometimes, it it, it frustrates me of – Chasing those opportunities, and part of me doesn't even want to chase opportunities. I feel like I just got to create them. But I don't know. It's like I I don't like saying me personally. Like a home will always be there, even though it's true. Like I'm blessed to have a great family and so many supporting people in my life that will truly always be there for me. But I don't know. I feel like I'm living two lives where I'm going for those opportunities. I'm trying to create a life for myself. But time being so temporary, it's like I'm, I'm. There's always a sacrifice, right? You know what I mean? Like I'm giving up one for the other. And I'm trying to find that balance because it always scares me of how if I'm taking too long.
0: Do you feel guilty?
1: A little bit, yeah. Why? I I mean I I I create that na- that narrative in my head, but mm-hmm. I know I don't have to because my family is who they are. Like they're right. the most supportive. They get what I'm doing. They always like bullshit me saying like, especially my mom, like, when the hell are you coming home? Like, and that's been having more happening more and more lately, which hurts me. It doesn't hurt me. It just like my heart like throbs, and I, I feel. I want to say guilty, maybe a little bit. That's all created here. Like I said, my family doesn't make me feel like that. They're right. truly supportive since day one. But at the same time, I, my nephews are all growing up. And I'm lucky enough where my family keeps me very active in their life. So they they know, I, they know me. And I like to say I stay in touch with them, obviously. But yeah, there is a certain level of guilt that I'm out here and then everyone's back east because I, I don't know. It feels a, a little bit selfish, but I understand it's life. We got to do what we got to do. But- it's, I think it's really blended with what we all went through as a family. And then mm-hmm. I go further away. It's like, right? that, that doesn't make sense.
0: No, I, I totally understand. Um, you know, even when I was living in Montana and my younger sister too, she she travels a lot. And I think that her traveling aside from loving it, it is also her escape. And um, I know that pulls up my mom's heartstrings a lot because my mom is grew up like my my parents grew up very differently like my mom grew up in a very like close knit like loving family household like celebrating every holiday holidays are huge so it's something that my mom like really you know instilled in our family growing up it's like you know holidays and she loved to do holidays really big and just like my my grandparents did and my dad he grew up in a very broken home lost his father at a really young age and you know kind of had to to raise himself to a certain extent was the youngest of four and um the holidays weren't really a thing it was just kind of like oh okay cool like we may see certain people that we don't normally see on a holiday but it's not really it's just like kind of another day so my so it's it's tough for my mom you know when it comes to to my my younger sister specifically, when holidays happen now, I think that's kind of her trauma response and her way of dealing with certain grief. Um, she's like, oh, shoot, like my, because her birthday is very close to Christmas. She's like, oh, my birthday's coming up. Oh, Christmas is coming up. Because my, my parents are also divorced. So she doesn't like splitting time between the two. And I think she feels a narrative that she creates in her head is a sense of guilt. Also, um, you know, not wanting to, to make anyone um, upset, like, oh, I'm spending more time with one person or the other. So she's like, I'd rather just not spend time with anybody and go as far away as possible type thing. So I I think that... In certain regards, like some can be trauma responses. Obviously, I'm not a licensed therapist. I don't know. I I, I just give unprojected advice.
1: <laughs> should be your next style hat. I'm a license, I'm not a licensed therapist.
0: I honestly, I should. I I just give unprojected advice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, to everyone in my yeah. life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think that one thing that I'm learning is that healing is, and our journey. It's obviously never ending, and we're continuously growing learning not only about the people around us but ourselves. It's why so many things continue to change, kind of based on what you were saying. Like, yes, home is home, but home is not always home. And I I'm at a loss for words sometimes, but I I just continue to learn so much about myself. I'm over a year sober now too. I spent a lot of years. It wasn't the case. I was, you know, drinking and partying my life away. And It's one of those things that my parents told me at a young age that was like, if I could give you a pill that's summed up everything I've learned in my life for you to take and make it all make sense, I would just like, that's such a corny thing to say, like, you know, whatever, your mom, whatever, dad, you know. Um, But I swear when I turned, I don't know why, when I turned 26, it's like a light bulb went off in my head and everything just started making sense. And the things that I pedestaled and the people that I pedestaled just wasn't the case anymore. And now being sober, I I smoke weed every once in a while, but I don't drink. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people ask me like, you know, how, how did you do it? And not, how are you doing? And that's the, the big part of not even just like, like, (laughs) like substances, but in general, when it comes to people and their healing, like, People always want to know the success story and how they got there, but not how they were doing through the process. And that's a whole other topic I could probably go on about forever. Which the answer for me is like, how are you doing? Is like, it depends. Yeah, it it, 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 really, depends. it really depends because thinking like, okay, the idea of changing my lifestyle completely from partying nonstop and having this really, really reckless wild lifestyle that was really all just stemmed from a lot of sadness and depression and things that I was avoiding to now. I'm obviously nowhere near fully healed. I don't think we ever really are, but getting to a point where I am now much happier, much more successful in my own journey that it's, it was definitely a roller coaster. It's so crazy to think about sometimes, like where I started. Like it was, I thought in my head. I think I think that I thought at the time, like okay, me drinking and making this lifestyle change, like I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be happy tomorrow. Everything is gonna change. I spent over t- almost twenty years of my life like severely and clinically depressed, and I now. I wake up with more purpose. There's some days, like, you know, I, I do still suffer suffer with extreme depression and sometimes anxiety. Like, I got invited to this, this uh, like, music day party today, and I was like, you know, this is my first day off in a long time. Like, sounds like a great idea. I got up, and I was cooking lunch, and I got extreme anxiety just to go socialize with people. Like, I that's never been a thing in my life. And I'm very comfortable in my sobriety now that I could, you know, I could go and, I could go and socialize with people. I, I work a night job that I'm constantly surrounded by people who are drunk and partying and whatnot. So it's not a problem interacting. I just, I don't know. It's just It's just part of the healing journey that I still have to tap into. Like, okay, why do certain social settings still give me this, like, anxious feeling to the point where I'm so unmotivated to go? I'd rather just stay in my house.
1: I get it. I think the most important thing you said to me, which resonates is your awareness that we're constantly kind of improving ourselves and growing. And I think a lot of people, maybe it's just the East Coast people, but a lot of people, um, sorry, East Coast people, (laughs) that some people get to a certain part of your life or certain age. I don't know what that age is that I feel like people are like, oh, this is the way it is. This is who I am. I think it maybe gets harder as time goes by, like the longer you, you know, the older you get, it's harder to change your ways. But I believe that we're all constantly working on ourselves, no matter what age. I think new perspectives can be birthed. I think you just constantly change. But I think a lot of people aren't even just aware of that. And especially like your the journey of healing yourself. You have just admitted that you still have your moments of depression and your your downward slopes. I think that's a part of life too. Like you're not. I don't want to say happiness isn't permanent, but like even when you're at your highest peak, you're still gonna have those moments. Not perfect. I just think we get better at getting out of that a little quicker and a little better and with more awareness. So I think, I don't know, I think we're all a work in progress and I don't think that stops. So hopefully all these lessons will, I don't know, keep yeah. going and trending in that direction.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's really what I'm striving for with my brand. And I feel like that's <clears throat> coincided with my, my greater purpose of being able to to help people and to be able to reach more people with my message. Every piece of clothing has you know, a piece of my writing, which comes from <laughs> comes from my heart, and it surrounds a different aspect of mental health because I want. It's a, a lot of people when they talk about fashion and brands, they talk about dressing to impress, right? So every time I talk about my brand, or if anyone's like, "Oh, y- you work in fashion," I said, "I don't work in fashion. My brand is dressed to express." Like I could, I could easily, you know, sell like, and no shade to anyone else. This is just me thing. I could easily, you know, sell a bunch of just like blank. Through the loom t shirts with be happy on it, but that's that doesn't quite impact people the same way as something like I'm my most sought after season. You may see that in, in the airport and be like, What does that mean? Maybe it'll spark a conversation with a stranger, maybe it'll spark with somebody that you know. Where'd you get your hat? I love it, I want to know more about it, and what it means. Why did you get it? And overall, I'm just wanting to create conversation uh, surrounding not only the struggles but the triumphs of mental health and mental illness, and create conversation and dialogue, and force people to not want to keep the feelings and the way that I felt for many, many years, and still do feel at times. Like I don't want anyone to ever feel that way, and I want them to, I want them to be able to um, feel comfortable in expression and feel unjudged and not feel oh, like, you're you're weird because you have this diagnosis. And I don't want you to, anyone to feel like a, a victim to anything that has been diagnosed to them. And my next drop coming out actually is coming out in September for National Recovery Month is surrounding addiction. And I am planning on doing a video aspect of all of it where I just want— I hate to use the word showcase, but I'm trying to think of a synonym that— works with showcase just basically show other people who may have one never dealt with addiction or or any kind of substance abuse but or or maybe experienced anyone in their lives who has but i want to show that addiction is not one size fits all and that there are some people who maybe struggled with addiction at a really young age and now they're in their 20s 30s whatever age and can now have a drink or two. There's some people that are really by the book and follow the 12-step program. Some people that, you know, go to meetings every week, every day, whatever. Some people that are still struggling. And there's some people that, like myself, I've also lost a lot of friends to addiction, a lot—drug overdose and stuff like that. So, I overall, I just, I just want to inspire and I want to—I just want people to be happy. If, I mean, I can't change the world, but if I could—if I could— play a small part in it why not that's it yeah
1: well, how do people find your brand tell give them a little plug there
0: yes um my brand name is season of you can find us on instagram twitter and on my website the tiktok is a little shaky we're working on it but um on all platforms we're season of merch the domain is seasonofmerch.com
1: beautiful i'll plug that down below and um I want to thank you, and um, I think we definitely need to exit this because I think the Red Bull on an empty stomach is trying to get on the mic. I feel oh, like might, and I don't mean like that. That's gross. Oh. I mean like it's just talking.
0: <laughs> oh, no, you're good.
1: <laughs> anyway, um, I want to thank you for for being on here and sharing all that. I think it's really cool what you're doing because, I don't know, the mental health thing could be could be applied to so many different levels, and that's why I think you know loss is a part of that. But I think the same process of figuring it all out, they're all kind of jumbled together in different ways, but you know, I, I, it's cool what you're doing. You're doing it with meaning as opposed to just a means to an end. You're kind of, you're, you know, you're making it. What was the means to the end? What does it say on the shorts I bought? Do you remember? Uh, I, it was something of the sort. I'm yeah. P-
0: so that was when I do, that's a, that was a collaborative drop. I know we're going over time, but, um,
1: uh, is, no rules. Okay. <laughs> um,
0: that drop is with the owner of the mental health charity. His name is Mikey Tableman and he's also a creative writer and, um, spoken word artist as well. He, it's actually his writing that's on both the shirt and the shorts. So we come together and make a collection called Change, which um, overall is focused on uh, changing the stigma surrounding mental health. Well, eliminating the stigma, I should say, but
1: yeah. Right. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I feel like the... I don't know if I use stigma. I think I used the conversation of death and like the tabooism of talking about it, but the mental health thing is I've had a few people that spoke about mental health on the podcast in relation to suicide and all kind of jumbles together, but there is a weird stigma. And especially I think societally, I think it's getting better now about being more open to the conversation as opposed to just like pushing it aside. So I don't know, but I commend you for what you're doing. I think it's great that you you know, you have a brand with real substance behind it. So I'm sure I'll be getting more clothing soon. I started with the shorts, so
0: gotta get you dripped down.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I'm with it. Less sleeves with the farmer's stand, So I apologize <laughs> to you and everyone watching. Uh, but thank you so much again, Tay, for being on here. It's a pleasure. And thank you everyone for tuning into another episode of Dead Talks. Cheers.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.